Hey friends, this is Mariah. Welcome to Along the Journey podcast where we share stories and conversations to help encourage you wherever you're at in life. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And today I am super excited because I get to sit here with my friend Heather and just hear a little bit more of her story and get to chat with her and I'm super excited because we've had lots of conversations and stuff with um, you sing, you and I singing together at church, but um, just having the solid time to just sit and listen, I'm just really looking forward to it. So thanks so much for being here and mm. spending your time with us tonight. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so to start things off, how would you describe yourself? Well, I think that I would describe myself as... <laughs> chubby and chatty. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That's not how I would. That's very accurate, but there's also other things. Um, I think that I am very honest. I'm a very honest person. I also think that I'm friendly. Um, I'm a mom. So, you know, a cool mom for the record. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Um, <laughs> I think that I'm a pretty strong person. And I think I'm funny sometimes. I make myself laugh. I love hanging out with me. So, um, I, yeah, I also think I'm um, hopeful. I think that I'm hopeful. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You describe yourself very well. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so, um, I would love to have you just start, just kind of take us back to your childhood and just start, yeah, wherever you want to with your story. Um, I grew up in Marion, Indiana, actually outside Marion, a little town called Swayze, the only Swayze in the world. And um, I am the oldest of two. My brother is younger than me by three years, um, significantly cooler than I am. He is like the coolest and um, the golden child. And he'd say that he isn't, but we both know that that's a lie. Um, but my parents actually grew up next door to each other. So my, my mom knew my dad most of her life and then they got married. Um, my parents were super loving with us, super loving with each other. Like they were in love with each other. It was gross growing <laughs> up. It was, you know, like you'd walk in the kitchen and they're like making out in the kitchen. I'm like, my gosh, <laughs> you know, but, um, but it also a blessing because they truly loved each other and, um, so we lived in Marion until my senior year of high school, and then we moved to Alabama, which uh, was hard <laughs> because it was my senior year. But, um, yeah, I mean, my family is loving, and um, I think that we deal with a lot of stuff with humor, self-deprecating humor quite a bit. <laughs> but um, it was good. Like, I had a, a good childhood, um, my brother and I fought growing up, but now he's, you know, one of my very best friends. And, um, like if I have a problem, he's one of the two people that I'm going to call if I've, you know, got something to talk about. So, um, my dad, um, what I, as long as I can remember, my dad's been a music minister. So the church was a huge part of me growing up. Um, I feel like we were there all the time. I mean, yeah, I, I have so many memories that are either like children's ministry or youth ministry. 
um, even in high school, like my job was at the church. I worked for the TV station and um, I edited the programs, put the commercials in and loaded them so they were on the air and stuff like that. So I was at the church a lot. And um, so that was a big part of how we were raised. We were raised in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Were there um, any moments that you feel like really shaped you as like a child? Yeah. Um, I, I'm i thankful that my, my parents did talk to me about Jesus. So being raised in the church did shape me a lot as a child, both bad and good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, the good is that you've, you learn, you know, the love of God and you learn the Bible and you learn um, those fundamental things that shape who you are. Mm-hmm. But also I was, the church that we grew up in was very... Um, well, it was Southern Baptist, and it was just was. Um, I feel like there was a lot of emphasis on asking forgiveness of your sins. Mm-hmm. Like if you, even as a kid, like if you have sin in your heart, God can't hear your prayers. Or if mm-hmm. you um, are thinking things, or mm-hmm. there's sin, there's sin. You need to be asking forgiveness of your sin. You know, mm-hmm. constantly, and so, um, so much so that like as an adult. And keep in mind, I'm almost 40, but (laughs) as an adult, like within the past year, within the past 12 months, I've realized that that mentality was also a big factor in my obsessive compulsive as an adult. Um, It started as a kid. So where I was like, if I don't ask forgiveness 10 times tonight before I go to bed, my parents are going to die. And I mean, I know that sounds... Silly, but yeah. that was in my head so much so that I didn't know that wasn't normal. So that shaped me a lot. But uh, you know, my my parents were just loving. Like I never, I never felt like if I did anything, my parents would not love me. You know, I'd see some of my friends in high school that you know had parents that the, just the way their parents would talk to them. I was like, my my dad would never talk to me like that, or my mom would never talk to me like that. Um, so that has shaped me a lot as a parent, mm-hmm. you know, that my mom, how my mom was, has shaped me a lot and how I'm a mom. Um, that's awesome. so yeah, that's so cool that you had that and that's that your parents have been such a good example for you. Yeah. Yeah. As well. They were. And my mom was hilarious. So <laughs> she, she dealt with things with humor. And so, uh-huh. and I feel like you have to have a little bit of dysfunction in your life to make you a little funny. So, um, <laughs> You're welcome to my daughter, but um, <laughs> but you know, like my my parents always had humor. Mm-hmm. Um, at least my mom always had humor, and so that was. Uh, I just remember laughing a lot with my mom, or I remember, you know, my mom um, laughing at things like my brother would do. He'd get in trouble, and then she'd send him upstairs, and then she'd be like, "That kid," you know, and then she would crack no. up. Yeah, she would think it was so funny. Um, oh. So, but yeah, like my. It was always a safe space. Mm. I I am so thankful for that. Mm. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so awesome. Um, and then moving into, like, teenage years and high school and young adult, were there other, like, moments or people or things that just really impacted you? And So, um, I mean, I didn't do – I was a very good – like, a very good child, teenager. I didn't do things that I wasn't supposed to do. Like, the most rebellious thing – 
I did as a teenager is we used to swim in the baptistry when nobody was at the church. <laughs> um, like we would bring our swimsuits and because it was that huge. Awesome. And so we would, we would, because we worked there, right? Yeah. This is high school. Yeah. I, but we would swim in the baptistry and like it's big enough to do handstands. It was huge. <laughs> and my mom would be like, Heather, you can't do that. But like, oh, I mean, you know. So I mean, I, I was a good kid. Um, uh-huh. But when we moved to Alabama, I think that that changed our whole family because Mm -hmm. we didn't realize how much we had been under the pressure of constantly doing right. And I'm not saying we started doing wrong, but I'm saying that there is a grace that came with it Mm -hmm. Um, when we realized that, oh, we also have grace that Mm -hmm. goes along with that. And so I think that when we moved, that changed me a lot. Um, You know, we the people that we... We met there, the people that we went to church with, the friends that we made, really had a big impact on both my brother and I because it helped us to see that um, with trying to do the right thing and trying to be a good person, sometimes that can morph into judgment of other Mm -hmm. people, judgment of those who are not trying to do that, and that's not cool. Um, But we didn't know that that's what we were doing until Mm -hmm. we moved and then we were like, oh, <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> so um, we really changed a lot for the better, I think. And my family, like my dad wasn't um, working as much as – I mean, like he was working, but like he was always at the church growing up, mm-hmm. always, always. And so when we moved, things were just were a little bit slower, and so he would be home at night. He would be – you know, and so it really changed. It brought our family a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I think I can pinpoint that that's the time when my brother and I became friends. Like we had been, he was my brother and I loved him. I even, you know, I may have punched him in the nose, but I loved him. <laughs> yeah. And, but it wasn't until we moved where I was like, well, this is a pretty cool guy, you know, because we had mutual friends. So we hung out all the time. And um, he became really good friends with a couple guys in Alabama and they just became like my surrogate brothers. So I had Donnie and then I had, you know, uh, Christopher and Kevin, who were my family too. And so, you know, we had other friends there that we would go and do stuff with. And it just really sealed my relationship with my brother to where when I went to college, I missed him. And I was like, well, who would have thought that, you know, I'd, I'd miss my brother. Yeah. But um, I think that, that that impacted me a lot as a young adult. So like you and I have talked a little bit and I know that um, something that's like been a big part of your life and impacted you a lot was when like your mom passed away. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you wanted to talk much about that or share anything. Yeah. Um, so my mom passed away about nine years ago um, from terminal brain cancer, mm-hmm. um, which sucks. <laughs> she, uh, it was very quick. They, we actually, she had been struggling with like lifting one of her legs and, you know, being who I am. I picked on her a little bit for it because I'm like, what's going on, lady? Like, you know, um, she was having problems with her arm. And then um, my dad and my mom had to go to like a like a community church service or whatever, like a Sunday night. And um, my dad called me and he was like, we called an ambulance for your mom. I think she's had a stroke the heck you know yeah so um 
he was like, don't come now because Gracie was a baby. And he's like, I'll let you know what we find out. So he called me from the hospital and he was like, I mean, I was sick. I was just sick to my stomach. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, they did um, an MRI and she didn't have a stroke. And my first words were, oh, thank God. And he goes, Heather, she has a baseball-sized tumor in her brain. And I was like, oh, well, (laughs) okay. So they took her um, to Birmingham that night. And um, she was there for, you know, a while. They um, removed as much of the tumor as they could, but it was pretty big. And so he said the doctor had said, look, there's small pieces of it that we couldn't get mm-hmm. that'll grow eventually. They um, diagnosed her right away, stage four. She has, you know, four months to live is what he said. He said maybe four months to live. And um, she lived a year. So we were really thankful for those extra months that we got with her. Um, she did chemo and radiation, and then um, that stopped, and she was in remission for a little bit, like a month. <laughs> and then um, they, she started a trial, whatever. She was in part of a medical trial for you know, University of Alabama-Birmingham Hospital, and um, they were hoping that maybe that would and it just didn't. So when it came back, it was pretty quick. Um, she died pretty quickly. But that was super hard on all of us because um, she died a week before her 50th birthday, so she was young. Mm-hmm. But my brother and I, like our roles reversed when my mom got sick. So we found that we were the caretakers. We were making sure that my parents had what they needed and um, that they were taken care of and all of that. So that was super hard. It was traumatizing, I think is the word that, yeah. um, that, you know, um, I think we, my brother and I both have been diagnosed by our therapist, <laughs> um, as having PTSD from it because, you know, you're taking care of someone that is dying and you're not, you know, you're not trained to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just really super hard, something that, Occasionally, like, I'll just get, like, a brain flash of that time. Mm -hmm. And I try really hard not to think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we – that was just – it's something that's really impacted me in my life because, first of all, life is short. And I – I've always been – I've never been one to, like, not say how I feel. (laughs) But um, Mm -hmm. it's really made me – like, if you love someone, you tell them. You tell them because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, aside from losing my mom, like my granddad had Parkinson's and we watched, I've watched him mm-hmm. pass away as well. And just in the past year, I've lost three family members um, very quickly. And two of those family members, it was very unexpected. Um, you know, my cousin died tragically and my niece died in a car accident. And you just, you are not promised tomorrow. And I think that it's really given me this mentality of, you need to say, I love you when you leave, you know, like when you Mm -hmm. leave the house, you need to say that I love you. You know, I never hang up with my family and don't say that I love you. Um, sometimes it makes people uncomfortable when I say how I feel, (laughs) but it's, it's kind of like, you don't know when Mm -hmm. is that last moment that I'm going to talk to you. This may be the last time that I talk to you Mm -hmm. and I don't ever want you to leave and not know how I feel. Um, so it's really impacted me in that way. And, I think the other thing that it really did is it grew me up overnight. I was, I mean, I'd already had um, my daughter by that time. I had Gracie, but you're still kind of 
one foot in motherhood and one foot in mom, can you make me dinner? You know, <laughs> even though I was, you know, 28, 29. Um, but when she got sick, it grew both me and my brother up very quickly because you were taking that responsibility for your family in a different way. I had to be protective of them and their time and their needs. And that was um, hard, but I think it forced me to make changes that needed to be made. Um, I think, too, my mom's faith never wavered that entire time she was sick. Never. She she didn't know why God was doing it, but she knew that it was for a reason. Um, she would keep like a notebook of, the, of prayers that God would answer mm-hmm. while she was sick. It's just really little things. Yeah. Um, like when she was in the hospital, there would be specific things that we would pray for to happen, stuff that's that only you would know because you're in that situation. But, you know, um, she had stories of things that happened to her when she was in the hospital that you're just like, how can people not believe in a God? Like she, <laughs> one story she told us, um, she, my mom was claustrophobic. And uh, for brain cancer, <clears throat> they do radiation. But so what she had to wear was this mesh mask over her face <laughs> with a hole cut out precisely where her tumor is so that the radiation could hit that. But you cannot move. So they would bolt that mask to the table. So literally she's bolted and she can't, you know, it was on her face. And um, it was, it gave her constant anxiety because she was claustrophobic. And also, even if you're not claustrophobic, that's creepy, (laughs) you know? So, um, and then the mask was creepy. Like it had like her makeup on the inside from where it was like up against her face. So, um, but she, so she hated that. Like she hated that, but she hated the MRIs. Um, because it just terrified her. And so she um, she told us there was like a hallway that she had to go down. And my dad couldn't go any further, like couldn't go past that point. And he had been like, it's going to be okay. It's, you know. And so my dad said that they had two, there was a nurse at the top, a male nurse at the top of the, the gurney or whatever. And then a nurse at the bottom that was pulling her through, you know, to take her to the MRI. And so she went and got the MRI, and Dad's, like, praying the whole time that she was in there. And she came back, and he was like, how was it? She was like, it was so good. And um, and he's like, really? And she said, yeah. She said, you know, on the on the way there, the one nurse, the you know, the other nurse that was there was holding my hand and quoting scripture to me and praying over me. And my dad was like, oh, well, that, who was it? She was like, you know, there was the one pushing and then the one pulling and then the one that was holding my hand and quoting scripture to me. And my dad's like, Nancy, there was only two nurses there. And she's like, no, there was there was one that was holding my hand and reading scripture to me, or like quoting scripture and praying over me. And all we can say is that it was an angel because there was nobody else there. But she had like story after story about how God had just intervened in a big way to comfort her. Um, you know, like she she was in there getting an MRI once and it was so hot and she's like, I'm, I'm going to freak out. And she's like, you know, Jesus, please just send a breeze. And then there's a breeze that comes into the room. I mean, like just just small things like that that wow. consistently makes you remember that mm-hmm. he loves you and that there's nothing too small mm-hmm. for him to care about. But that really super impacted me, um, you know, at her death and then dealing with that afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I think that her faith really changed my faith because she was in a lot of pain. She was scared. I can't even imagine. She was so scared. And never did her faith waver, ever. Like, um, she always was talking about, like, things that she was thankful for. Um, 
and she was always checking on us to make sure that we were okay and we were dealing with it okay and just never complained, never. And that just seems so counterintuitive mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're going through something like that where it's that much radiation, it's that much chemo, it's that much getting sick, it's all of these things. Yeah. And she just never complained about it because she would always say, you know, so many people have it worse. And um, so that really changed my perspective. And then you don't expect to lose your parents that early mm-hmm. in life. I was really, really angry for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Really angry. Like, I just hated everything. <laughs> um, and I just finally had – I was at – I don't know if you're familiar with, like, the Emmaus Walk. I don't know if you've ever heard oh, of an I Emmaus Walk. That, yeah. So I went on one um, in Alabama. And, you know, they seclude you for days, right? Like, mm-hmm. you – no phone, no anything – Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so I was at the on the Emmaus Walk, and they did one of the services where they had this giant wooden cross, right? Mm-hmm. Nope, that's a lie. It was a giant glass cross. Wow. But anyway, so it was a giant glass cross with like a hole at the top. Huh. The heck. So um, <laughs> but so everybody did communion. But what you did was you took your bread and you dipped it in the grape juice, mm-hmm. and you held it, and then you you they asked for you to pray. What is something that you need to give to God? What is something that you have in your life that you need to give to God that you've been holding on to? Something that is eating at you, something that is affecting your faith, affecting your life. What is it? And I was just like, immediately, God was like, your anger. You are angry and you need to give it to me so that you can live a better life. And I finally, I was just like, God, you have to take it from me because I cannot live like this. I cannot. And so, um, what they then then what they had to do is put like the the bread into the cross. Fun fact: I ate mine. Didn't know I wasn't supposed to. So I go up to the front, and he's like, he's like, it's so serious. Like Mariah, it was so serious. It was like dead quiet. Like there's like like praise music being played, and it's like so somber because you are giving some serious crap mm-hmm. to God. Like you're yeah. giving him, and I was so serious. So I go up there and he goes, my sister, are you going to put your bread in the cross? I go, funny story. I ate it. And he goes, my sister, you did what? <laughs> I said, I, I didn't, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to. So like, he's like oh whispering my, in my ear and like, amazing. we're hugging. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to eat it. And he goes, my sister, the instructions were pretty clear. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to say. And he was like, okay, go sit down. And I was like, okay. So I went and sat down because I had nothing to put in the cross because <laughs> I ate it. <laughs> I like, that's just – anyway. But um, that's a true story. But anyway, so so I – um, yeah. So I gave my anger to God and he took it from me and it changed my life. But it took me years to get to where – because I didn't know why. And sometimes when yeah. you don't know why, I think it's natural to – let it sometimes it fester and if you don't deal with it then it makes you angry and um so I'm just I'm it's nine years later and it's still hard but I've been able to talk about it with you now and not Mm -hmm. cry and so that's growth I think for me (laughs) because used to be like um, I don't want to talk about it I don't want to talk about my mom Mm -hmm. um but you know it was terrible but God makes beauty out of ashes 
And so, and he did. I mean, he did. It was so hard to lose my mom. It was so hard for my family dynamic to change. Um, but I have heard so many people tell me, your mom's faith while she was sick brought me back to Christ. Like I could think of one person specifically that was like, I was done. I was done with God. I was done with my faith. I was done. But I saw your mom's faith when literally she's dying. This is eating her from the inside out. And it brought me back to God. And But there's been several people, like I have friends that are like, my faith was deepened when your mom was sick. Um, so sometimes God takes terrible situations and brings beauty from the ashes of those situations. You know, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing about that. That's a lot. And uh, yeah. your mom sounds like super inspiring. And even you just sharing that story is like, I was like, I had like chills the whole time. And also just thinking about how impactful like other people's faith is to us and what God's mm-hmm. doing in other people's lives when you can see it. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, like you never wish for anything like that, but it's, I'm just so grateful that God like used that, yeah, that terrible situation yeah. to bring people back to him and to open other people's eyes of like, of, yeah. Right. And it's because it's hard. You don't know what, you don't know what God's doing or why he allows yeah. things to happen, yeah. but then he uses it. And sometimes it's not until years later where you're on the other side of it, looking back mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, God really did use this mm-hmm. situation. You know, it's like you have to have faith in why you are where you are. And sometimes you can't see it when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thankful for the times that even though things were bad, he was faithful, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's huge that, like, you were able to give your anger to him. Because I think, like, a lot of people can hang on to something like that forever. Yeah. And never and never get let go of it and just, like, let that drag them down for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And well, you just get to I, – I just got to where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, it's making me physically sick. Mm. It's making me physically sick. I'm – my my child is young enough now that if I change it, she's never going to know when I was like that. Mm. Um, and I was never angry with her. But, mm-hmm. but you know, like, it's going to manifest yeah. itself some way in your life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't do that. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've talked about Gracie <laughs> a few different times. And um, – I love seeing you and Gracie interact because <laughs> I, I just think you're like an awesome mom and I love hearing your guys' interactions and just like you're such a cool fun mom <laughs> from what I see and can just, you please tell her that yeah that would yeah. be really great <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think you are and also just oh, like so seeing like I think that she's awesome she and is so, a good kid thank you yeah so thank I like you. I think she's pretty cool. I think that a lot of that is because of you and I'm sure others who have poured into her life as well so but sweet. just like yeah um what impacted like having her make on your life and like being a mom? What does that like mean to yeah. you? Yeah. So, um, ha- being a mom has completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 27 when I have her. When I had her, um, I was so my mid 20s. I was um, just kind of running from God a little mm-hmm. bit, and I was allowing those voices in my head that told me I wasn't good enough that. I didn't deserve love. I allowed those voices to dictate my actions and my decisions. So I found myself in a relationship that was super unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just not a good situation. Mm-hmm. And um, so all of that is to say, when I found out that I was pregnant, I found myself 
single and pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, from that moment on, I was a single mom. I've, um, you know, um, most of my appointments when I was pregnant with her, mm-hmm. I was alone. Um, you know, I didn't do Lamaze because what am I going to do? Like tell myself to push? That's stupid. So <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I uh, so but I remember, and it was just me and my doctor. Um, and he was super old. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I heard her heartbeat for the first time, and it was like, I mean, honestly, it was like God dropped the scales from my eyes because I had been living for myself. I had been doing whatever I wanted to, and I heard her heartbeat for the first time, and it was like God woke me up out of this sleep. And I, this is a true story. I sat up on the exam table, and I looked at my doctor, and I said, what am I doing with my life? And he goes, um, I don't know. But I was like, okay. But, you know, like I um, – it was like instantaneously, holy cow, yeah. you need to get yourself together. This is not about you. This is you and this baby, mm-hmm. and you've got to – so and I did, it was like a 180. I turned myself completely around. Like I completely changed my mentality. Um, you know, and I – it was hard being alone during that time because – so many things happen, you know, so many exciting things happen. And so from like day one, it's just been me and her. So I knew her before I even had her because I talked to her, you know, I'd read to her and, mm-hmm. um, you know, she'd hear my rap music in the car. But she, um, you know, so like she, uh, you know, we knew each other before she was even born. But I also knew throughout all of that time because I did have the quiet of the night, just me and her. Um, and my dog, Harold, oh, Miss Harold. But we would have like the quiet of that night where I spoke to her, but I just prayed a lot over her because I'm like, you know, God, this is scary and I'm going to have to do this alone and I'm going to need you. He kind of showed me through all of that time that this child's a gift. She's a gift. And I chose you to be her mom. And I think that when you have that mentality of God chose you to be her parent, it really changes how you parent. Mm-hmm. Because to me, am I being a good steward with the, of the gift that God has given me? Am I being a good steward of what he has chosen to put in my life? And that's Gracie. And so um, the whole time I was pregnant, like I went back and forth about names, you know, mm-hmm. but I decided I wanted to meet her first. But I knew no matter what I named her, I was going to call her Grace. Because God showed me through all of that that you have made some really crappy choices, kid. You have done things. But again, God has taken those ashes and he's made beauty out of it. And she was, she's my grace, like literally. Like God gave me the grace through this child. And when I had her, there was one night in the hospital um, where it was just me and Gracie. And she was so teeny, teeny. But I actually got up out of the bed and we were looking out the window, and I remember telling God, she's yours because she's only mine here, mm-hmm. but she's God's always. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, she's your child. Help me to raise your child. Mm-hmm. Um, but it changed my life. It grew me up a lot, but I think that it really grew my faith because I can't do this by myself. I mean, I, I can't, and I – you know, now she's 12 and she's rad and funny and, you know, all of these things, but it's been me and God this whole time. You know, I have a wonderful family and 
friends who are so loving and, you know, their aunts and uncles to Gracie. And, um, but it's been me and God consistently because I can't do it alone, but I don't want to do it alone. You know, like what a better father than our heavenly father. And he's, he's been constant. Um, but he's shown me a lot about the love of a parent, the love of our Heavenly Father for us, because if I love my kid this much, how much does he love us, you know? And so um, it hasn't been easy, but I for sure have grown in my faith, and I'm so thankful for her. You know, I'm a firm believer in nothing happens by accident. There's no such thing as an accident. God knows what's up. He knows what's going to happen. And from the moment I found out about Gracie, I've loved her. And... um, yeah, I mean, it's just completely changed my life, but he's been my constant companion. Um, and it hasn't, it hasn't always <laughs> been, you know, the straightest path, but, you know, that kid is my saving grace. She mm-hmm. really is. She's the reason I get out of bed in the morning, you know, even though maybe I'm, my anxiety is super bad. She's the reason that I get up. Um, that's so sweet. Yeah. I'm hearing all that. Yeah, but that's, that's why I named her Grace, because mm-hmm. she's just, you know, yeah. Oh. Do you have like a favorite memory with her? With when Gracie? Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's probably lots of favorite moments. Golly, with her. the kid. <laughs> she, I mean, you know, like the quiet of the night because it was just us. So yeah. I just, I, those are memories that were always so sweet to me when she'd wake up in the middle of the night and, you know, I'd rock her. And um, as she got older, you know, she, like she loved to read books. And so we'd read together. And mm. back when she would sing in the car, she'd <laughs> sing and, she'd kick her little feet in the car seat and um she's just she's honestly been a like a joy always Mm -hmm. she's 12 now she's still a joy also she's a little angsty um but I love her and um she's funny and that's that's her saving grace a lot of the time is because I think she's so dadgum funny (laughs) but um so we're into new territory right now because Uh we've always been besties so now mom's not quite as cool and there's a lot of, mm. um, but you know, yeah, she's yeah. We're like Laverne and Shirley is what we always say. We're like Laverne and Shirley, because um, we just love to be around each other. But mm-hmm. I know you've shared a lot of different things. I feel like are big themes of your story. I wonder if there's like one thing that sticks out if you look back over your life of like something that you've that a reoccurring constant kind of reminder or theme. So recently I've, you know, people are always like, my word of the year is courage or my Mm -hmm. word of the year is Mm -hmm. fantastic. (laughs) So I don't, so I don't like, I don't have a word of the year, but Mm -hmm. have, I've actually chosen like my life word Mm -hmm. to be Ebenezer Um, because so in the books of Samuel, Mm -hmm. God's people, they're fighting wars and they're, you know, doing all of these things. And Samuel um, erects this stone monument, I guess, you know, like a stone plate, and he named it Ebenezer, which basically means that, like, this far God has provided for us. Mm-hmm. And he, but he builds them as they go. Like, he, you know, so he's got like this stone monument, he calls it Ebenezer. And I think that I know in my life there are Ebenezers. Mm-hmm all throughout my life, um, especially in the past few years. And so 
I actually, I have a Mudlove bracelet made with the word Ebenezer, um, mm-hmm. hashtag Mudlove. There's a plug for you right there, Joey. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's been a theme as far as I want to remember my Ebenezers in my life, the places where God has provided for me before, and I know he's going to do it again. So let's remember it. This is my Ebenezer. So like, you know, just there are times when I feel like I'm not good enough, or I feel like um, my anxiety is telling me lies. Um, And God reminds me and tells me that, no, this is who you are because this is who I am. And also, it just it frustrates me so much that I can be so short-term memory about things. Mm-hmm. Like, hello, do you not remember that God already took care of that for you last year? Why are you worrying about it now? He's going to do it now. And it's almost like I have to have those places of Ebenezer in my life because I'm such a ding-dong that I'm like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot that God's already done that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I I feel like God's in heaven and he's like, because, I mean, you know, because honestly, he's like, Heather, we've talked about this. Is that that what God sounds like? Heather, we've talked about this. (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. But, but, you know, like, I I get so annoyed because I do, Mm -hmm. I forget. I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. we forget that Mm -hmm. God's already done things for you before and he's going to do it again. Um, You know, just small things, but those are the times that I remember that he loves me. He he does these things in my life where he's like, I haven't forgotten about you. Mm-hmm. I'm here and I love you. Um, you know, whether it's I just my relationships with, like I said, um, my best friend who is constantly reminding me of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my brother reminds me of who I am. My Aunt Jenny, my grandma, Emily, people in my life that have spoken kindness and love um you know i've i'm so grateful for them and i i have felt that i've allowed the enemy to tell me mm-hmm. who i am mm-hmm. and that's not true and for a long time i thought god's forgotten about me he doesn't remember me mm-hmm. and he does mm-hmm. but he you know like i I I don't know where it's going, but <laughs> um, I have faith that he does. I you know I've I just for so long have just felt like you don't deserve what other people have. You don't deserve someone to love you like that. And um, you know God. He just he brings people into my life to remind me about that, and um, like right now I'm in a relationship with someone I, I you know that so thankful because God uses these people to remind you that He loves you, and mm-hmm. it's so <laughs> humbling. I never thought that it would be possible to even know someone like this, let alone that they would care about me like they do. And I just, I'm so thankful that God reminds me, I haven't forgotten you. Mm-hmm. And, um, but those are my Ebenezer's, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, God, and, cause there's been days where I'm just weary <laughs> and I've literally prayed and said, God, will you please just remind me that you love me? 
And I'll even say in my prayer, I know that that's maybe a little selfish, but can you please remind me this week or today <laughs> that you love me? And he will. He'll, it'll just be something simple, you know, like my Aunt Jenny sending me a text out of the blue that just says, I love you so much and I want you to know I'm praying for you today. Mm. And he does. He, just those small moments or, you know, drive safe to work, I'm thinking about you. It's just those small things. Mm-hmm. But God's just so faithful. I suck sometimes. I mean, like, I suck, but God is faithful. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. yeah. That's... um. That's amazing. And something that's been on my mind a lot lately is that we need reminders mm-hmm. that um, we need reminders of what God's already done. And I mean, as you're describing how you've been forgetful or like needing reminders and needing people to remind you of God's love and doubting and, and questioning, I find myself relating so much to that at different mm-hmm. times. And I like, and when I read scripture, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, how did the Israelites forget again? How can they not remember that you just, right? Like, you literally rescued, you literally split the sea in two, you right. literally, like, like, you <laughs> know, know. Like got water out of a rock. You literally did. And I'm like, I'm reading these miracles, I'm reading these things. I'm like, this just happened. He's like providing food to you every single yeah. morning. Oh my gosh. And I'm like reading these things. And then in my own life, I'm like completely questioning it. I know. And it's, it's funny because we recognize it in other people's lives. And we don't see it in our own. And that's just something that's been on my mind a lot lately. Yeah. Of just like, we not only need um, like other people to remind us, but we also need something to remind ourselves yeah. and something to go to. And I think that something that like Satan really uses are those questions and those things of like, I don't know, does God really let, maybe I've like forgot too much. Maybe I've messed up too many times yeah. or whatever. And like, maybe I'll just like, maybe... I'm different. Maybe like other Christians or other people yeah. who know God yeah. um, know like the depths of his love because, you know, he loves them right. so much. But for me, I just don't know that love because yeah. um, the fact that you're... He's a big jerk. Yeah. The fact that you're recognizing <laughs> yeah. that and also like that you have people in your life who are... that God's using to remind you of yeah. his love. And-, and I don't even know that they realize that God has used mm-hmm. So in this current season, maybe in the last year or so, what is something that you've been learning or like something you've been growing in, I guess? That's a good question. I've, something that I've been learning is that joy is a choice. Happy, I think, is emotional and comes and goes, but true joy true joy that comes from God is something that you choose to do. And um, so like Gracie and I have decided in our house, I can't control what goes on outside of the house. I can control what happens in our house. So we've decided to choose joy. We are going to um, surround ourselves with joy. So, and if that means that we go crazy with Valentine's decorations the day after New Year's, uh, that's what we're going to do. P.S. That's what we did. Awesome. Um, we love Valentine's because we love pink and red and all of, of those things. So like we went crazy with that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you want to put up Christmas lights in your room and keep them up all year round, okay, cool, whatever. Like we're just surrounding ourselves with joy because we're realizing that I've realized that you have to choose it every day. And that's something that you have to go out of your way to find the good 
and the things that are going to be positive and the things that are going to fill your heart and um, those little reminders of God in your life. Of- so I've made a point to choose that joy, to find that joy, find the things that make you happy, those little small things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so sunny today when I went to one of my closings, and yeah. I was so happy to get to wear my sunglasses. Mm-hmm. That brought me so much joy. <laughs> um, you know, just small things where mm-hmm. I'm trying to point them out to Gracie as well, mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, look at that nugget. That's a perfect nugget. That's a really good one. <laughs> just just trying to find like the small stuff so that if you're if you're constantly trying to find the good, you find the good. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with people. It's like if you if you're trying to find the bad, let me tell you something. You don't have to look very far, you're gonna find it. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for the good, I think that it cultivates that in your mind and in your life. So I try to look for the positive. Um, I don't always succeed. Sometimes again, I'm not you know, I suck, <laughs> but I try. And, mm-hmm. um, and so like, I have stupid little things on my desk that bring me joy. Like I've got a picture of Michael Scott on my bulletin board because I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it says, it says I am, and then it has a male, female. And then there's a third option <laughs> it says I am. And then it's checked, um, sit in my office, just grilling some bacon, calling up Dwight just to see what's shaking. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I see it. But like, you know, just small things, <laughs> yeah. um, small things that, make me happy and Aww. so I'm trying to do that but that's been a big thing I guess this past year because mm-hmm. we've had like I said we've had a lot of loss and things like that in our family and mm-hmm. it's easy to dwell on all of that but you have to find joy somewhere mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you're forgetting those things it doesn't mean that you're not grieving it doesn't mean that your heart hurts it doesn't hurt it's you have to find something. You know, God reminds us every day if we'll look that he loves us, but we have to look. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to wake up and be a cozy cuddle every morning because the world's hard, but God's love is bigger than all of that. And um, there's there's a, an Elizabeth Elliot quote that I had read that I really liked that said that, of one thing I'm perfectly sure, God's story never ends with ashes. He doesn't leave us in the ashes. He doesn't leave us in our pit of grief. He doesn't leave us in those places where we can't see out of it because we are going to be in those places, you know, whether you've, you know, lost someone completely unexpectedly. um, He just, he doesn't leave you where you are. He doesn't forget about you. You know, I'm testament to that. He does not forget about you. Sometimes it feels like it, but you can't, that's not the place where he's going to leave you. He's not going to leave you in your spot of misery and grief if you will let him. Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy to just stay in our funk, right? Like Mm -hmm. to be angry or to be like, you know, forget this. I'm whatever. God's forgotten about me. I'm going to forget about him. Mm -hmm. Peace out. You know, I'm going to go do my own thing Mm -hmm. because you can do that. And I did that for a while. Let me tell you something. It uh, doesn't work. <laughs> like 100% doesn't work. So, but if you allow him in and you allow him to speak to your heart and if you allow him to, you're in the fire right now. You're in the fire right now. And he wants you to come out refined, but he has to mold you and he has to make, he has to take what that is and bring that gold forth as refined. If you are in the fire, 
he's using it to mold you into something beautiful if you will let him. But if you stay there, it's just the ashes, right? Like he's, Mm -hmm. you have to understand that there's something bigger. And when you're in it, you might not see that. Mm -hmm. But if you'll allow God to come in, if you'll give it to God, he will give you back so much more. And I just, I think maybe that's, I don't know, I I think maybe that's what is important for, for me to say, maybe because I've been through a lot and I am not perfect. I have struggled in my faith. I have struggled with depression, anxiety, OCD. I have struggled with not feeling loved. I have struggled with eating my feelings and they're delicious, Joey. Um, but I'm, I was, you know, like I've had all of these struggles just like anybody, but the fact is God has not forgotten about me. And if he hasn't forgotten about me, he's not going to forget about you. He doesn't want us to stay in that fire. He, he's there with us in the fire. He's still refining me, girl, because, uh, <laughs> your girl isn't, uh, you know, refined gold yet, but mm-hmm. he's working on me. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a constant thing. And I just, I think that it's so important to remember that if we allow him, he will. Like I had to give my anger to God because it was consuming me from the inside out. But if you will allow him to take those things from you, he will take them from you and he will give you so much more in return. I love that. Yeah. There's a song, there's a line in a song that says, the story isn't over if the story isn't good. Mm. And I like love that reminder of like kind of what you were saying at some point about like when it's bad, if it's in the ashes, it's not over. Right. God's not done yet. Right. And like the whole time you're talking, I'm like, yeah, God's not done. Right. God's That's not, not done. the end of the story. Yeah. He doesn't leave you in the ashes. Yeah. Well, and also too, it's like, um, obviously we were talking about the fire, so you know that I'm going to quote um, the Hillsong song, yeah. so I'm doing it. Uh-huh. But like, you know, at the beginning, <laughs> it says like right off the bat, like there's a grace when your heart is under fire. Mm-hmm. When the heart is under fire and when you are in it, when you are grieving, when you are um, dealing with something terrible, there's a grace with that that comes with that. Mm-hmm. If we will allow God to be with us and walk with us through it, walk with us. He's not going to leave you. He doesn't leave us alone. It may feel like we're alone, but we're not. And I'm a testament to that, that mm-hmm. there were times where I felt alone. There are times in the future where I'm going to feel alone again. Mm-hmm. But remembering that Ebenezer, those times where he has been with me. He walked with me through all of this. He was with me raising this child by myself. He was with me, you know, moving <laughs> and, and you know, all of these things. And he's, he is trying, you know, it's not the end of the story if you are still <laughs> going through it. You know, if he, he's not going to leave you, he's not going to forsake you, but you have to allow him to step in and walk with you. You have to acknowledge that he's walking with you and you have to ask him for that grace and he'll give it to you. He gives us grace every time we ask for it. Okay, now's the time for our speed round. Are we ready, Heather? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, First question, what are you currently reading? I am reading a book called The Scent Keeper about um, a girl who lives on an island with her dad. It's very ostracized from society, and he has these small boxes 
um, that are like floor to ceiling and each one has a little bottle inside with a piece of paper where he is literally collecting scents. Like he is in charge of memory and stuff mm. as far as scents are concerned. It's really wow. interesting. Wow. Yeah, sounds, it's a good book. So far. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite vacation spot? Girl, I don't go on vacation. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> what is this you speak of? Um, I like to go to the beach. I like to be warm. And yeah, I like the beach. The end. Okay. Okay. What's your go-to music to belt in the car? Now, there are people from our church that are listening to this. I I love rap music. Like mm-hmm. I I listen to modern rap too, mm-hmm. but girl, some early 2000s stuff, some 90s Tupac. That's my jam. I'm nice. going to turn it on and I'm going to turn it up. Yeah. Nice. I mean, Hillsong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut out the two-part part. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I like to uh, – Hillsong. <laughs> Hillsong. <laughs> For <laughs> sure. Gaither <laughs> <laughs> vocal band. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite Muppet? My favorite Muppet is Miss Piggy. Also, my second favorite Muppet is Janice. Okay, do you know who Janice is? She's the one with the blonde hair, and she's always like, wow. I mean, like, oh, oh yeah. Like, there's one of my very favorite movies. I got I got really passionate about the Muppets all of a sudden, so I'm sorry about that. Just one of my very favorite movies is The Great Muppet Caper. It was, like, from the 80s. I love it. Like, if I'm in a bad mood, if we put in Great Muppet Caper, I'm going to laugh. I think it's so funny. But she's she's like this hippie, right? And so they're like, in the, all the Muppets are like in this room and they're having like this conversation. It's all these people talking, all these Muppets, these people, all these Muppets talking at the same time. And then it gets quiet. And then Janice goes, so I was like, it's my life, mother, okay. So what if I want to walk around the beach naked? And then everybody's like looking at her. It cracks me up every single time. It makes me laugh That's so hard. So I love Miss Piggy and Janice. Yeah. That's hilarious. What's your... Go-to snack or candy? My go-to snack. I love chips and queso. Mm. Like Rotel and Velveeta. Mm -hmm. If I'm having a bad day, it makes me feel a little bit better. Um, I don't really eat a lot of candy. Mm. Um, I always keep lemon heads in my purse. Mm. Like in a Ziploc bag because my mom always did. Mm -hmm. Um, She'd like break it out during church and like open it up and we would share lemon heads. So... Mm. Yeah, but I don't, yeah. That's a good go-to. Yeah. yeah. Lemon heads? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always forget just how sour they are. Always. Yeah. And then I bite it in the middle of a church and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite Mountain Dew flavor? I don't know that I've tried other flavors. I see them. Mm-hmm. I see that there's like this watermelon one right now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's like melon. Like Have you tried it, Joey? Are you kidding me? I don't know if that's actually happening. There are so <laughs> like There is a million different flavors. There's like KFC has its own peach flavor. I don't know how I feel about Taco that. Taco Bell has Baja the Baja. Blast, of course. Baja Blast is, is pretty good. Yeah. I think I just like the original. Mm. I've been trying not to drink it. P.S. That's such an Indiana thing for people to drink Mountain Dew. Really? Yeah. We have many, many flavors. Yeah. Joey's a fan. Well, I, I think I just sure. like regular. What's um, number one movie recommendation that you'd make? 
a recommendation. I feel like there's a difference between recommendation and your favorite movie. Yeah. Um, what would I recommend for someone to watch? I don't know. Have you ever seen Eternal Spot Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? That's a mm -hmm. good movie. Yeah. Not for everybody, but I enjoy it. I'm not gonna lie. I I was trying to think of something else to say. My favorite movie of all time mm -hmm. is not one that anybody else. My very favorite movie. Oh my gosh, is the 1960s Parent Trap, like with Haley Mills. Oh. I've never seen that. Yeah, I've not seen. That I am one. recommending the old Parent Trap. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's very soothing to me. It's like a balm on a wound for me. So like, if I'm having a really bad day, Gracie knows. Like, if I'm having a really bad day, she'll turn on Disney Plus and she'll be like, "Do you want to watch The Parent Trap?" And I'm like, yeah. Or Two Towers. I have watched Lord of the Rings Two Towers too many times <laughs> to where my brother and I only communicate on Instagram through Lord of the Rings memes. <laughs> That's amazing. But it always makes me laugh, yeah. <laughs> also, if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, seriously, what's wrong with you? That's a good recommendation. Yeah. Like, someone, is there someone you aspire to be like? Someone I aspire to be like. So, in my real life, <laughs> um, I look up a lot to my Aunt Jenny. I really do. I think she's very people-centered, like as far as she's super caring and intuitive about what people need, and she's so thoughtful. Like if someone's sick, she makes them soup, literally, and takes it to them. Or and I, I want to be where that's like my knee-jerk, um, you know, who I want to be. Mm -hmm. um, in my not-so-real world, I really want to be like Michelle Obama. And also... I really want to be like Dolly Parton because she's amazing. She is amazing. That I could do a whole <laughs> podcast with how much I love Dolly Parton. I just I'm sure this is the first mention of her, honestly. Uh, well, in my uh, I for my birthday, I decided I was going to get personalized license plates, and so my license plate is nine Dolly Five. Is what it is. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that's amazing. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's something you like about yourself? I think my sense of humor. I've I'm pretty witty. Like I you know how people are like, "Oh, I wish I would have thought about that. I would have said that." Mm. I have the opposite problem. I know exactly what I want to say. It's mm -hmm. not saying it that's the problem. So I I do think that I like that I'm witty. Yeah. I yeah. care about people a lot. Like, I really don't want anyone to have hurt feelings around me or anything like that. So I think I'm intuitive about other people, too. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Coffee or tea? Tea. Can I <laughs> That was so anticlimactic. <laughs> it was like, tea and... <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode and were encouraged by what Heather shared today. If you want to connect with us, you can look us up on Instagram at Along the Journey Podcast, or you can email me at MariahGriner at Hotmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you join us next time. Talk to you soon. <laughs>